Ido Revetel Ingala Ostech Brish Namprelutalas Namberechidevi Eosielabande de Bish Namkrestu Munka. For I'm starting to turn the tide, says the Lord. I'm changing the season, says your God. That which the enemy tried to put on you, take away from you, rob from you, steal from you, destroy in and around you. I am busy taking revenge, says the Lord. Because as far as you're concerned, where my church is concerned, where my children are concerned, where my sons and my daughters are concerned, I'm a jealous God. These days to me are like the days of vengeance that I brought on Israel. And I will take revenge for everything that the enemy has tried to do. There is a vengeance that is in burning in my heart, says the Lord. Not to destroy people, but to destroy the works of darkness. My love is burning like fire because of my jealous love for my bride. And for those who will step into the burning fire of my love, they will be redeemed, they will be saved. But I will burn up the dross of the works of the enemy. I will expel the darkness. I'm releasing fire. I'm releasing the lightnings. I'm releasing the light, says the Lord. Behold, you will see in coming days, it's begun already, a great fire and a great power and a great presence and great miracles that will be happening worldwide. But it will be happening in this church. It will be happening with you. It will be happening in this nation, says the Lord. Because I have decreed it. I'm turning the tide. The enemy thought he had you down, but he underestimated your God. Wow, that was, that was wow. Woo. Hallelujah. What a presence. What a presence. What power. What grace. What mercy. God is a good God. Amen. God is so good. All right, I just wanted to share something with you very quickly. Are you all good? All right. So let me just share something with you that happened to me this week. And uh, it's right in line with what I've been sharing with you as a church. So if I don't get to the sermon, that's fine. We've got next week. Is it okay? So I want to be conscious of your time, but at the same time, I just want to get something across and deposit it into ACF. Is that okay? So God spoke to me. It was somewhere last year after the first lockdown, and I said to the Lord, okay, what do we do? Because everyone was talking about COVID, the new normal waves of, you know, waves coming, and this thing could go on for however many years. And I began to pray because the lockdown frustrated me that we couldn't be together. Yeah. And when the first unlock came, God spoke to me very clearly and he said, stand up and preach vision. You go ahead with vision. And don't be apologetic about it. You go for it, which we did. And then we another lockdown and, you know, more services were, you know, we weren't able to do. But all the time, the Lord was talking to me about it. And so even when we didn't have the sufficient finances to do it, everything that we did as a staff was vision related. So everything you do in your life, do with a purpose. Is that okay? You just follow the vision that God has given you. So which we did. And um, it was just amazing 
that the things that we've accomplished in the last two years in lockdown when people had lost jobs, some people's salaries went down 50%, and despite that, God was really gracious to us through your generosity, and we were able to continue to do things. But I believe it's because we kept the vision in front of us. And um, because I don't like treading water, I want to do everything with a purpose. So just a little while ago, we started just getting back. And I said to the band, I I, I communicated with all of our precious prayer team and said to them, we need to pray for revival. We've got to get back to praying presence of God. Is that all right? And the power of God. And then I did various series. And then the last series was revision. And that's the theme. Now, when the short throw projector is up there, it's also part of the vision. All of this stuff was part of the vision, upgrading of the TriCaster. And in the middle of COVID, just the electronic equipment upgrade is probably close to 300,000 Rand that came through from this church and from some of our online viewers. Isn't that amazing? Everybody say, wow. I mean, that's amazing. And that's, I'm not even talking about Mtata. And Tata must have exceeded 50,000 rand because we bought them the stand of ground, 20,000, for the new church. We put ceilings and insulation in after the visit that we did. And then all kinds of other things happen. And so the incredible provision of God because of the vision. So now, just recently, the sense of his presence has been increasing and increasing. God is doing something. I mean, you could feel it in the worship this morning. It's like... God has an agenda, and he's beginning to reveal it through his manifest presence. So now, just in various things, I read into things a lot because when we serve God, things are not coincidental. And so the interesting thing for me was that I just shared a short voice note of the fact that God spoke to me about vision. And because some of our related churches, our family of churches, the pastors were saying, wow, this is amazing. And so I thought I'd just give them the background and the backstory to it and then share with them how it came about and the incredible blessing of God that it has been in ACF. And the one pastor in particular in Mosulbay, Apostle Corne Cock, he was so inspired, he messaged me back. He sent me a voice note. And he said, would you mind if I share this with everybody in our church? And he said, and I know a lot of pastors. And that voice clip on WhatsApp has now spread around South Africa. And he said it was such an inspiration to me. And he's already saying how many other pastors have been inspired by it. So it's all part of the story. So then... Christopher and Celia contacted me and they said, the last weekend of October, we want you to come down and do weekends meetings. Now, there's a theme that's burning in my heart, okay? And I said to her, what do you want me to preach on? Have you got any indication? She replied immediately. She said, revival and miracles. So the fact that she has the desire tells me that God is up to something. Is that okay? So then not long after that, Apostle Ken Haskins contacts me from Zimbabwe, and he's given me dates and wants me to do one or possibly two weekends of meetings in November in Bulawayo in Zimbabwe. And on the Saturday, we're going to be ordaining 60 pastors' leaders in an ordination service as part of his network. Come on, that's something to get excited about. So... The kingdom is expanding, and for those of us who have a vision, and those of us who know the presence of God, and our ears enough to hear the heartbeat of God, we can understand that there's something powerful happening. 
Is that okay? Yeah. So this morning, I made a decision. I'm leaving the sermon, and I'm just going to share something with you, and, um, and, and that's how we will do the service this morning. Is that okay? Yeah. So in addition to that, in addition to all of this that's happening now, and I know God is going to do something powerful in Zimbabwe. The reason why Apostle Ken Haskins invited me was because almost two years ago now, we did a conference for Apostle Vincent Dube in Victoria Falls. And the prophetic was so accurate and so powerful, and we had some instantaneous miracles. It was so powerful. He said, I want you to ordain my pastors. And so we're going to lay hands on them, prophesy, but I'm trusting God that those pastors get zapped. I want them to all buy carpet time in the presence of God. Amen. I don't want to go there with an empty hand on empty heads. I want full hands on full people. And uh, just to impart something so that his network can grow and we put 60 more anointed men of God out into the field. Isn't that awesome? So in the meantime, Pastor Ashot Stepanian from Armenia, him and I have been chatting. And he spoke and he goes, John, 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 you are so dear to our hearts here in Armenia, John, John. We still talk about you. We still talk about the revival that swept through this nation. John John, it's been 20 years. He says, John John, 2021 was 20 years ago, revival broke out. He said to me, John John, he said, God is about to do something in Armenia. He says, there's coming revival again, and we need you. So we're talking about May next year, somewhere around there. Because I said to him, I'm not going when the... The cherries are not growing because <laughs> they have the best cherries in the world. Also, it's beginning of summer because their winters can get down to minus 30, 40 in the Caucasus Mountains there. It's freezing, freezing cold. And he said something is happening in Armenia, he said, of revival. And he said, we need you. Everybody talks about it. Everybody is still asking. So this has been going on. We've been communicating the last few months. He tells me something that is powerful, is an agenda in the heart of God. Yeah. Now, I'm going to just say, I believe it's very much the, the prophetic word, the tongue, the interpretation, prophetic word that I shared with you this morning. And that is that I said it from the beginning of lockdown, and for all of you who hear in those meetings or watch via live stream, I said it right from the beginning of lockdown. I said, God will take revenge yeah. on the effects of this lockdown. You know, conspiracy theories aside, but the person with the biggest purse buys the biggest say. And to get more say, fill up your purse. You know, and I'm not saying there is no pandemic. And um, I venture to say that I'm convinced that all of this was engineered. I'm convinced, persuaded, even if it isn't, even if it was engineered by the dark one, you know, the devil, because all sickness comes from him. And so, however... However, the effect was literally an assault on the church of Jesus Christ. Big churches still cannot open. You know, fortunately now they can allow a few more people. Our medium-sized churches did not suffer as bad as the large churches did. But it, it was a serious effect, an assault on the church. There was an assault on our finances as Christians, on the economy of the world. But more particularly, God is concerned about the economy of his people. 
And so there was an assault, and I believe, and I said it repeatedly, that was the worst thing the enemy could have ever done was to lock down the church. Yeah. was the worst thing that he could ever do. Is that right? And, uh, you know, because the thing is, it drove us to stand, and having done all stand, and it drove us to prayer. I mean, I've never seen so many prayer initiatives in all of my 30-something years of ministry. Worldwide prayer and fasting initiatives that went on 21 days, 5 days, people fasting and praying, not only for the end of the COVID, but just praying for the world. And it seems as if God didn't hear the prayers of the saints because we went into a protracted, prolonged period of the COVID. And, and apparently, apparently God was not answering. But I want to tell you, no prayer is a wasted prayer. And we serve an incredible God who, though we pray, though we pray limitedly and finite prayers and maybe prayers without any foresight or insight or with any wisdom, but if our hearts are right, God takes those prayers and He's able to give the correct answer. Is that okay? And very often it's way above and beyond all of our expectations. So that's the build-up. That's the build-up. So I met a man at Spirit Word Ministries many years ago. And I think around 2014, I said to him 2015, he said, no, it was earlier than that. Around 2013, 2014, just before we started our conferences, he came to visit me. And I remember when the kitchen was through there. Remember that old little kitchenette? And I remember we were standing in there drinking coffee, and he was just talking to me. And I was encouraging him. And he had come to see me about our television ministry. We chatted a bit. He visited another time. I wasn't here, but he came with his wife and his son. He was just touched by the visit that we had. I prayed with him and prophesied of him. Then he brought his wife and son. I wasn't here, and then came to the office, and, and J.D. and Shireen ministered to them and prophesied of him, and God really touched them. So now I have not seen him since 2013, 2014. Not heard of him, not anything. But you can ask Shireen, two weeks ago, I said, you'll never guess who I've been thinking about. I've been thinking about it, and I mentioned this brother's name. And she said, oh, wow. I said, do you remember him? She said, yeah, no, no, I remember he came with his wife and son, and we prayed. I said, he's phoned me because he wants to have an appointment with me. Mm. So, and I was like, so why was I thinking about him the week before? And in fact, I went onto Facebook, and I saw a picture of him on Facebook. And I was like, wow, I wonder what's happened. And I was thinking to myself, I should phone the brother. Well, you must know, not just less than seven days later when the phone rings and it's this brother. I didn't even know I slid his phone number. And I was like, oh, my word. I conjured him up. You know, <laughs> I was thinking about him. And then I felt bad because I thought I should have phoned him first because he was on my heart, you know. And um, so he came to see me and he sat down and he said, hey, John, good. And we just caught up very quickly. And he said, listen. What I wanted to do, I want to borrow all your books on revival. Because I remember when I visited you all those years ago, you said you spoke about these books on revival. And um, so, I mean, I've got a whole section of books on revival from the Hebridean revival, Cambuslang revival, you know, um, Indonesian revival. I mean, I've got summaries of revivals. I've got revivals about revivals. I've got prayers for revival. I mean, I've got everything, you know, because that's where my heart is. And um, so I pulled all these books out, and I started going through and just saying, now, you must start with this book and read this book, and da-da-da-da-da-da. And I said, well, then we sat down, and I said, what happened? So he said, okay, let me tell you the stories why I wanted to come and see you. 
He said, I was watching Bill Johnson a while ago, and uh, he said, I particularly enjoy his teachings. And while I was watching, God spoke to me and called me by name and said, go to the bedroom because I want to speak to you. He says, it was so insistent and so urgent and compelling that I jumped up and I said, yes, Lord, and I ran through to the bedroom. He says, I went to the bedroom and I just sat down and I said, Lord, I'm listening. What do you want to say? And the Lord called him by his name. His first name is Nadi. And the Lord said to him, Nadi, my son, you have neglected the Holy Spirit for most of your life. And that needs to change. He said he broke and wept for hours, hours, hours. He sobbed through the night. The next day, he was still weeping. He said to me, John, you know I'm Pentecostal. I'm spirit-filled. I went to Bible college. I'm not a pastor. I don't have a church. And he said, but when God said that, it broke me. And he said, so I started, I repented, and I started saying to the Lord, I need to become more sensitive to your Holy Spirit. And so I started for that period of time before I had this next experience, just trying to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit and get sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And then he said, two weeks ago, before I phoned you, something happened. He said, I woke up three o'clock in the morning and he said, it wasn't a dream and it wasn't a vision. So I know this language because it's happened to me on many occasions or quite a few occasions. You're in another realm and you're not dreaming. And it's not a vision or an internal vision. It's more like what Peter experienced, a trance-like state, a state like Paul experienced in 2 Corinthians 12 where you're actually caught up into the spiritual realm. And he said, I lived this. It was more than a vision. He said to me in Afrikaans, that was the most ingrepende, the most impactful experience I've ever, ever, ever had. He said, what happened was, he said, I'll just skip a little bit of the prelude, but what happened was, he said, in Nigel, now he lives in Nigel, the town of Nigel, and he said, there's a, a traditional denominational church. And in this vision, I saw that church. And, but it's not like that in reality. Understand what I'm saying. But in the vision, he saw an open field, like a farm field next to the church. And next to this traditional church, he said, that was Suisa Plasgebo. It was like a, almost like a barn type of building. Like what a farmer would build. Neat, but very basic, very humble you know, just whatever. But there was a church there next to this traditional church. And he said, and the people were worshiping. And he said, and I went in. And he said, the worship was incredible. But as we were worshiping, he said, the fire of God began to fall. And he says, and God spoke to me and said, go up onto the pulpit, to the stage where the pulpit was. And, and he said, at first I said, no, but then I realized I could because the commission of God was upon me, and I knew I carried the fire inside me. He said, I went up onto the stage, and he said, John, I want you to know, he said, I, I was, in Afrikaans, he said, Demias achtergrondige. 
person, even at Bible college. I was the most background, most unassuming person. It's not like me to do that, but I knew there was something compelling me. And he said, there was a great man of God, and he's in the cloud of witnesses now. It was a great man of God who was on this stage. For those of you who remember, Pastor Philip Gerber, who, who rocked this nation. Just an incredible revivalist, man of God, powerful miracles. And he was standing on the stage, and when he saw me walk up, he moved over and indicated for me to speak in recognition of the Spirit of God being upon me for that moment. And he said, and I got up there, and he said, and when I got up, before I could even speak, he said, the fire of God fell. Now, I want you to know, I haven't told Shireen anything about it, and she chose all the songs this morning, led by the Spirit, okay? So he said, the fire of God fell, and I'm just going to shorten the description of it. And he said, but the fire of God, the power of his presence literally fell on the worshiping congregation. And he said, pandemonium broke out in the building. And he said, the fire of God just began to just, he said, it didn't just fall on people. The fire of God penetrated people. And he says, and then while this experience was happening, suddenly he wasn't inside the church anymore. And he wasn't on the stage. Suddenly, and you know, in the spirit, these things happen. Suddenly, he's now he's outside of the church watching the church. And he says, the fire of God is upon the building of the church. And there's such power inside that the church starts to shake, the whole church in the field. Now, that's like Acts 4, right up to verse 32. You know, when they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? And he says, and then suddenly, he said, suddenly it was like a sonic boom. He says, but it wasn't shockwaves that came out. He said, it was fire and lightnings exploded out of that church, and it flew. He said, like in a moment, it flew across South Africa. It shocked all the way through. And he says, I saw scenes such as, a housewife and a mother, she's at home, and she's cooking the food, the dinner, ready for the family to come home. She opens the oven, puts the food in, and as she closed the oven, he said the fire of God hits her, falls on her, and he said, but once again penetrates to the very depth of her being, and she falls on her knees and begins to cry out to God concerning her lost state and saying, God, what must I do? I need you. I need to be saved. I need you, God. And he said, and this scene was repeated over and over again as the power of God shot through South Africa. He said that when he was no longer in that place, he said he couldn't speak for a couple of days, number one. Number two, he was exhausted. He said he was so tired, like Daniel when Daniel saw the angel, like John when Jesus appeared, fell on the ground. And all this strength left them. He said, my strength left me. And um, he said, I laid my head down on the pillow to sleep. But he says, he says, as soon as I laid my head down, he said, was like tiredness fled. And he said, I could not lay my head down on the pillow. And I could not for days. Now, this happened to me in 1987 when the hand of God came on me and he ordained me. There was a whole day ordination process. And the hand of God came on me and God ordained me and spoke things to me that are unfolding still now. 
and spoke things to me clearly. And um, I had to eventually ask God to lift his hand so I could get into the 7 o'clock service. Because otherwise I couldn't get off the floor. Because the hand of God was on me. And an angel ministered intercession through me at such a depth and such power that, you know, for about you know, more than a week, the muscles in between my ribs, my stomach muscles were so sore from the deep intercessory prayer. And the Spirit of God was so alive in me that I could not sleep. I felt like a man possessed. But I was a man possessed by the Spirit. And for two weeks, I couldn't sleep. I would be exhausted, and I would go and lay down on the bed, and my spirit was so alive inside of me with the Spirit of God, with Jesus, that my body would literally be vibrating and bouncing. And I mean, I could not lay still because of the life and the power and the fire and the energy that was waving through me. I mean, my stomach would cramp, and and I mean, I would just... I was, I'd never experienced anything like it, but it was the raw power of God going through my body. And it felt like fire was coming out of my hands. It felt like fire was coming out of my eyes. It felt like fire was coming out of my mouth. Now, I've experienced that before, where I would walk into a room and everybody would fall under the power of God just because of the amount of fire and power that was inside of me. And this is what happened to this brother Nadi. And uh, it took him two days before he could speak and tell his wife and son of the experience. And he said to me, John, I am so driven to prayer. I can't, I'm tired, but I can't sleep. I try and rest. But he said, the Spirit of God is so strong inside of me. You know, it's a little bit like um, Samson when he was between Dan and, and Eshtahal. The Bible says that the Spirit of God came on him. And provoked him and moved him. That word is a hornet, stinging, a stinging hornet. And the power of God was so strong on Samuel, and he was so compelled of God to move out. And that was one of the revivals that came as a judge. He brought rescue and salvation to Israel. But the Spirit of God was on him so strong that it's an irresistible force. You are driven to the purpose of God. Everybody say driven. And he says, this is what's happened to me. And he says, I sometimes pray all day and all night because I cannot rest. He says, as this experience lifted, God said two things to me. Number one, God said to him, this is now your life's purpose to pray in this revival. Everybody say amen. Amen. He said, the second thing is, when he got up, God said to him, you go and tell John Wasserman. Amen. We sat four hours. I wept. He wept. Prophesied, laid hands on him. He said, I don't know anything about revival. What do I do? I started telling him every story about revival. He got so excited. I phoned him again yesterday afternoon. He said, John, besides that encounter I had, I will never, as long as I live, forget the meeting I had with you on Thursday. So he said, what do I do? I said, start immediately. Start to raise up. Groups of praying people. He said, this experience to me was so holy. So he said, you're the first person I've shared it with, other than my wife and son. I just could not speak about it. It was, to me, an inutterably holy experience. I said, get permission from God. And when he allows you, you start sharing this experience with like-minded people. Dream with dreamers. 
share vision with visionaries. But more than that, talk revival with revivalists, with people for a heart for God. I said, because otherwise you'll be throwing pearl in front of swine. And already, two nights later, he sent me a voice note that he put out to everybody in his WhatsApp group, speaking about the power and the need of prayer. I gave him a book on the revival in the Hebrides. He's already read it. And I said, did you read about Christine and Peggy Smith? Um, One was 82, one was 84. One was blind, one was crippled. And they sat in the house in total lockdown because of physical disability. But they prayed and got vision and got word from God. And they prayed the Hebridean revival into being. Two elderly ladies sitting at home, housebound. They orchestrated and conducted the whole revival from their little room in their little cottage in a town of Barvas on the island of Lewis. Historians still say it was the greatest, most pervasive and invasive society-changing revival that's ever hit anywhere in the world. The entire islands of Harry and Louis and others in the Hebridean islands were completely changed by the power of God. People didn't go to pubs anymore, very much similar to the Welsh revival. People didn't go clubbing and to dance halls and things like this. Mass conversions happened. He didn't know that that had even happened. It was the same as his vision with the woman putting the food in the oven and then the power of God hitting her and saying, what must I do to be saved? Reverend Duncan Campbell in the 60s, his first meeting that he went to under the instructions of these two old ladies because they would tell him what to do and he would say, God hasn't told me. And they would say, well, it's because you don't listen. Put your ear a little bit closer to God, then you'll hear. And they engineered the whole revival. And then he would go and pray. And then he would come back and say, you're right. That's what God is saying. And that's how he got there. Because they said, God said, Reverend Duncan Campbell must come and lead the revival. And it changed all of society. All of society. And so I spoke to him. And so now that's what he's doing. He put out the first little podcast on prayer using Acts chapter 4. And the place where they were meeting was shaken. And he's calling people together to pray. He said, this is now my life's purpose. To pray this thing into being for the country of South Africa. Amen. 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 And then why? Why does he say, go and tell John Wasserman first? He knows other people much better than he knows me. He said, I knew immediately why I had to tell you. He said two things very quickly, and I'll close with this. He said, the first thing is this, is it's not going to happen within traditional structures in a traditional way, let alone in traditional churches. So church is not going to happen in the big fancy church. It's not going to start there. We need new wineskins for the new wine, in a sense. Church, it's why I push you for the presence of God. We cannot become traditional and almost denominational in our free way. That's why we need to push for the presence and the power of God. That's why we need to allow the Holy Spirit to move. That's why we need to allow for the manifestations of the Spirit. If somebody laughing offends you, um, I can refer you to a nice little quiet church. If somebody falling 
or laughing or crying or shouting or getting excited offends you, I want to tell you revival comes with powerful manifestations of the presence of God. Amen? It's God manifest. And so the very first meeting that Duncan Campbell was to go to was in a little town, and when he got to the town hall, they were overwhelmed when they heard behind the hedgerows of the fields around that church, people crying and groaning and calling out, God, what must we do to be saved? What must we do? And he called them all into the hall, and he spoke to them, and they all got born again and all got saved. And that's how the revival spread. Church, I believe, I believe that God connected us with that once again, with revival once again, because that's why that is there on our board in our church, part of our vision. God has reconnected us to that this morning. And I think with the fact of the way the worship went, and it was not planned. Shireen chose them, and the Lord led her to choose those ones. But we need the fire of God to fall in our churches again. I didn't know it, but there is a thing in Yosemite National Park in America, and it's called the Fire Falls. The Fire Falls is a yearly event that people go to now, but it was not the original Fire Falls even though this was happening. And it's a particular waterfalls. I think it falls nearly 3,000 feet. And um, it falls over. It's called Hostel Falls on a cliff face that's called El Capitan. And at a certain time of the year when the sun is just right, you know, where the equinoxes and things like this, when the sun shines on this waterfall, it's backlit with sunlight, and it literally looks like a waterfall of lava. And they call it firefalls. Most go and Google it. It's the most beautiful scene. And the top is glowing, and, and you see this whole fall, water falling, and it's got a bit of a lick at the bottom, which looks like the curve of a horse's tail. But in the late 1800s, there was a man by the name of David Curry. And he owned one of the first resorts in the Yosemite National Park. And on a similar mountain or close by, what they used to do through the entire winter, they would pick up all the dead fallen down trees, all the dead logs, and they would create a mountain of logs on the top of the mountain, just close to the cliff face. And people would come from all over America eventually, and they would stand at the bottom, and just before it would be nightfall, they would have men at the top, and they would throw fuel over, and they would set the logs alight, and first there would be a massive fire, and they would just keep feeding it for hours. And when this mountain of wood was burned down, David Curry used to stand at the bottom of the mountain, and he used to scream up, let the fire fall. And they had bulldozers. They would bulldoze the ashes, the coals, the glowing embers of the fire, and there would be literally a waterfall of fire falling. And Jensen Franklin said this in a sermon. It's time the church got back to a place where we say, let the fire of heaven fall in the church. The park ranger at that time, it was in the late 1860s, 1870s, put a stop to it because the sheer volume of people that would come they would trample the undergrowth flat at the bottom of the mountain, and they said, ecologically, it's not a good thing. Mm. 
and they stopped doing that. And this particular man came one year, and uh, he was waiting for the event, but he didn't see people. And uh, he went to the park ranger, and he said, is the fire going to fall today? And he said, no, the fire doesn't fall anymore. Mm. Come on, church. We have got to a place, many churches, where the fire of God doesn't fall anymore. We become traditional, we become ordered and orderly, and uh, we like nice package religion, but we need the fire of God to fall. Amen. And I want you to take to heart this encounter that I had with this man who had the encounter, but it was an extremely, extremely prophetic encounter I had with God. Is that okay? And God is speaking to our church, and so we need to be at the place, and I'm going to ask you just to continue to pray. If you don't know anything else to pray, just pray this. Father, let the fire fall in ACF. Let the fire of heaven fall. The fire of God is, it symbolizes many things. It's, it symbolizes God himself. When he descended on Mount Sinai, it, they saw a fire descend on the mountain. The burning bush was a light. It was a fire. There's so much symbolism in the Bible why we need the fire of God. But historically, through all revivals, when the fire of God fell, it was associated with his presence and his power. Amen? His presence and his power that would purify, that would bring back renewed passion and new zeal, and it would bring, restore the gifts. In other words, it would restore prophecy and things like this, where people became prophetic again and would begin to declare the word of God with boldness. Church, ACF, we're living in a time and we're living in a nation that sorely needs, that sincerely sorely needs the fire of God again. Amen? I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but after that, I just realized when I met with this man, I just realized how much I crave and long for and how much more importantly, how much I need fresh fire from God. Is that okay? I need the fire. I need it. I need the fire. Amen. Come on, let's just pray in the Holy Ghost a little. Just pray in the Spirit. We need something. We need God. The only way this nation is going to be saved, redeemed, the only way economy is going to be restored is the very fire of God. Amen. Amen. I'm looking forward to testimonies. The next time Amen. a member of our ANC government goes to steal money, the fire of God falls on him. Amen. Amen. Or any other political party. Come on, let's just pray. Just raise your hands. Just say, God, we need the fire. Maybe just say, I need the fire. I need Holy Ghost fire. Come on, just say, Lord, just set me on fire again. Fresh zeal. Give me new zeal, new, new love for you, new love for the world. Father, I need the fire of a passion. Fire, Lord, just bring fire. We need the fresh fire of God. We need fresh touch from heaven. We need our lips touched from the, with the coal off of the altar. We need the fire of God to fall on this nation, Father. We need that spontaneous combustion, that sonic boom. We need the lightnings of God. We need the fire to fall like in previous revivals. God, will you do it? Will you do it, Lord? Come on, I want you to say it for yourself. God, start a fire, but start it with me. Start revival, but start it with me. Lord, I want to get back to my first love with you. New zeal. Come on, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Do not quench. 
Don't quench the Holy Spirit's fire. Come on, He's a being of fire. Oh God, would you send revival on South Africa? Would you revive this nation, Lord? Lord, would you turn this nation back to you again? Let godliness reign supreme. Let righteousness exalt this nation. Let millions of people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Turn our hearts, Lord. Turn our hearts, Lord. Turn our minds towards you. Father, I pray the call to prayer, the call to intercession will go out through ACF. That all of us would be awakened. Awakened, Lord. Like one who's dreaming, awakened to see, awakened to pray, awakened to intercession, Father. Father, let the fire fall on the sacrifice. We'll supply the wood, but let the fire of heaven fall. In the last Sunday of the Sunday before, when the glory of God just fell in the meeting a little bit, and uh, and uh, there were a few people where strong sort of spirit of prayer, spirit of prayer, spirit of intercession just fell on them. And um, really that for me was one of the forerunners when I saw how just that spirit of prayer fell on them. And um, Erlene was involuntarily just, you know, praying and rocking like that. And I said to her, it's a spirit of intercession. And she said, I don't know what's happening to me, but the last quite a few weeks now, I'm driven to pray and I, a lot of times I've got to leave the baking which is her business she said I have to leave because I'm so called I'm so driven to prayer I just want to those who feel that while I was preaching and telling you about this brother who felt I'm going to commit myself to praying the fire of God to fall I just want to anoint you with oil and pray for you in particular that God would just anoint you and give you that spirit of prayerful intercession or intercessory prayer. And I just want to tell you that the spirit of God is going to come on you for intercessory prayer at another level. Is that okay? At another level. There's a mantle of prayer, a mantle of intercession that will fall on you and come upon you for prayer. You're going to experience the drivenness of God fact that God will wake you up with such a spirit mantle of anointing that is going to come upon you for prayerfulness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The spirit of powerful, powerful intercession. You begin to intercede. You're going to begin to cry out like God, like Peggy and Christine Smith. Father, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to start calling out to God. You're going to be awakened in the early hours of the morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for that prayer of intercession and prayerfulness that, Lord, is coming upon your people. Lord, where you are raising them up to pray. Father, inconvenience them. Inconvenience them to prayer. Father, I just pray the fresh fire of heaven falls because these people intercede and pray for a new move and a new wave of the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. It will be the travailings of birth. It will be birth pangs. You will be giving birth to things in the Spirit. Father, thank you. They're giving birth to revival. Father, I thank you for it in the name of the Lord Jesus.